Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary-braced preaching resource designed to ask the provocative questions of how politics could appear, appear in our preaching this week. My name is Ali McMillan and I'm a Methodist deacon currently based at Methodist Central Hall in Westminster. I'm a member of the Methodist Diaconal Order, uh, which is a religious order and that brings a sense of rhythm and wholeness to my life. Before I trained for ministry, I taught religious education and ethics at secondary school in Oxfordshire. And uh, one of my biggest passions is about coming alongside people where they are and journeying with them as they discover God at work in their lives. Each week, I'm joined by a guest from a different place and space on the pulpit and political landscape. And today, I'm really pleased to introduce Sarah Edwards. Sarah is the executive director of the Just Money Movement, which aims to equip Christians and churches to connect faith and finance so as to shape a fairer, greener world. She has worked in advocacy and campaigning on social justice issues for the past two decades, most recently at Tear Fund and previously at the Jubilee Debt Campaign, Anti-Slavery International and Health Poverty Action. Sarah lives in North London with her husband and two children, where she's involved in preaching and teaching in her local church and is a trustee of the local food bank. She enjoys reading, exploring nature, running and eating chocolate. <laughs> well, Sarah, we're really delighted to have you with us. Uh, you obviously got a wealth of experience to bring to us, so welcome. Thanks so much, Ali. It's lovely to be with you. Well, um, thank you all, the rest of you as well, for joining us today and tuning in and listening. Uh, we know that uh, politics in the pulpit can be a bit of a contentious topic sometimes, uh, but we here at JPIT and Politics in the Pulpit believe that it's essential that the world around us speaks into our churches. Uh, so, Sarah, when you hear arguments saying that politics should not form part of our preaching, I wonder how you respond to that. Yeah, thanks, Ali. I think how we... Um make decisions about how we live well together is the sort of broadest definition of politics, isn't it? And I think if you think about it in those broad terms, then I can't see how we can keep politics out of the pulpit. I mean, of course, we don't want to be divisive or or sort of party political, but actually, I think it's really important that churches are places that we talk about issues of the day, that we learn how to disagree well, which I think is something that is increasingly difficult in our, in our society and in our sort of social media bubbles quite often. Um, and if we think about the, the sort of caring for the vulnerable, looking after the created world, enabling each of us to flourish. All of those issues are things that politics decides, determines how those things are um, done in our society. So um, if we want to be relevant to that society, if we want to have something to say in the world, then we have to um, bring politics out um, within, within our church teaching. Oh, wonderful. So perhaps not just could, but should um, include politics. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, well, each week I ask my JPIC colleagues for a little roundup of their expertise and what they think we might want to be keeping an eye on in the world this week. Uh, some of their suggestions this week are that universal basic income is to be trialled in England for the first time in Central Jarrow and East Finchley. Uh, 30 people will be paid a lump sum of £1,600 a month without any conditions attached. Uh, so really um, radical uh, trial going on there. Uh, the TUC, the Trade Unions Congress, has reported that years of austerity has left the UK hugely underprepared uh, for the COVID pandemic, and they're reflecting back on that. And nearly uh, 80 primary school girls in Afghanistan are believed to have been poisoned 
apparently due to a personal grudge. Um, huge uh, wealth of things going on in the world and just um, things that make your heart cry. Uh, uh, Sarah, from your context, I wonder if there's any uh, key political justice issues or political events that you would want to bring out for us. Yeah, so I'm going to um, be reflecting a bit on this later, but Tax Justice Sunday is, is happening this Sunday, which is part of something called Fair Tax Week. And that's really an opportunity for us to think about tax and the common good and, and even celebrate the role of responsible and fair taxation in our society. Um, the other thing, um, this week is World Environment Day. In fact, it's it's today, but um, that will be, that's an opportunity really to think about some of the environmental issues. We have a campaign at the Just Money Movement. We're really trying to seek a, a greener, fairer finance system. And um, one of the ways we're doing that is through our Don't Bank on Plastics campaign, which is calling for banks to um, change the way they invest in the plastics industry, reduce investments in the production and consumption of plastics and um, invest instead in alternatives. So um, the World Environment Day, and um, that's an opportunity for us to, to take action. So we're asking our supporters and, and campaigners to contact their, um, their banks. And actually we're fo focusing at the moment on HSBC as the biggest bank in the UK, one of the biggest investors in the plastics industry and asking them to change their ways. Oh, wonderful. And really interesting to see the, the tie up and the connection there between uh, different uh, justice issues. Um, so as you said, uh, some key ju justice and church dates, it's World Environment Day on the 5th of June, uh, Fair Tax Week, the 8th to the 18th of June and Tax Justice Sunday on the 11th of June. Uh, so all those things that you've named um, going on this week. So lots for us to be thinking about. Uh, our Bible reading for so this Sunday, the 11th of June, uh, Psalm 50, 7 to 15, Hosea 5, 15 to 6, 6, Romans 4, 13 to 25, and Matthew 9, 9 to 13, and then 8 to 26. Uh, so with our metaphorical newspapers open in one hand, uh, let's get our Bibles open as well. Uh, Sarah, I wonder if there's a particular passage or theme or question that's jumped out for you where you'd like us uh, to begin this week. Well, I think the obvious one for me that's jumped out is um, the call of Matthew in the in the gospel reading in, in Matthew 9. And we hear um, that Jesus is um, sees Matthew sitting in his tax collector's booth and he says, follow me. And, and Matthew um, gets up and follows him. Um, so I want to really focus in on that story of the call of Matthew um, and, and, and think about what it might mean for all of us to, to, to hear that call of Jesus to follow him but particularly for Matthew as a tax collector and as I say it's tax justice Sunday this Sunday um, and it's an opportunity for us to think about a bit more what that that meant and what that means for us as well so um, as a tax collector in uh, the Roman Empire Matthew would have been part of administering the um, the oppression of of the people and so he would have been seen as um doing something that wasn't just perhaps a little bit unpopular but actually something sinful something that um was really seen as as putting him in in sort of beyond the pale um 
And so he's he's there doing this this role, playing this role within a system of economic and political oppression. And Jesus comes and, and calls him out of that and calls him into a new community, into a new role as a disciple of Jesus, into a completely different life, actually. Um, and um, so I want uh, I was reflecting a bit on what that means, um, the role that we each perhaps play within systems um, that might not be so obviously oppressive but actually if we look at the financial system if we look at the economic system that we uh, that we live in um, it is one that is fueling the climate crisis it is one that sees ex huge grotesque ex extremes of wealth inequality and poverty um, and therefore it is one that actually is, is highly problematic and we do all play a role. And one of the things that we um, we like to do um, in the Just Money movement when we're, we're talking to people is say, well, look in your in your pockets, look in your wallet, in your bag. If you're in a, a church congregation, look in the in the collection plate. You've got coins or or notes there or you might have a bank card. Um, I mean, increasingly, people might be using their phones, all of those things um, that we use to pay that, we, that, that our money um have words on them, have symbols on them. Cash might say something about the head of state of, of the um, the nation that we live in. Uh, the bank card might have the name of a, uh, an international, multinational institution, a, a bank that actually is extremely powerful. Mm. And so by, by carrying those things and using them in our day-to-day -day lives, we are actually participating in a system. Um, and so what, what can we do to be a bit more uh, reflective about that? And we might not be called out of it. So um, it's interesting that Jesus calls Matthew in a very sort of radical way, doesn't he? Um, but in another story in um in uh, scripture, we see uh, Jesus uh, in, in an encounter with another tax collector, um, with Zacchaeus, um, who's, who's a, a tax collector and we hear about in, in Luke's gospel. And there Jesus uh, has this encounter with Zacchaeus, which leads Zacchaeus to, um, to ask for forgiveness, to make restitution to the community. But there's no suggestion there that he changes his role, that he leaves his job as a tax collector. And most of us won't be called out of our roles. And yet there are things that we can perhaps think about doing differently um, as we as we think about so to talk a little bit more if I can about tax um, mm -hmm. specifically if we look at the role of tax often tax is seen perhaps as a burden something that we have to pay and yet tax can actually be a way that we that we love our neighbours and that we care for creation and that we contribute to the common good um, so how can we as Christians have a conversation about what is the role of tax in our society? Um, so in the in the Just Money movement, we have a campaign for the tax system to be to be reformed, actually, because um, there is a, a much greater emphasis in the UK tax system on taxes on on income, on, on work um, and less of a burden of tax on um, on wealth. So it's actually quite an unfair distribution. And we're campaigning for there to be more taxes on on wealth which would um, make for a, a more equitable tax system and would also raise revenue for those sorts of things that we that we've that we care about you know that we want to see in our society for the vulnerable to be cared for for everyone have the opportunity to flourish 
for our natural spaces to be to be looked after. So how can we play our part within that tax system? Um, many of us as taxpayers, um, all of us, as I say, with some connection to the to the to the money, to the financial system, to the economy. Um, it might be as consumers, so as individuals and as churches, we buy things. Are we aware of uh, what the tax behaviour of the companies we buy from is? Um, the the uh, Fair Tax Week that we're coming into um, is organised by the Fair Tax Foundation, which has this Fair Tax Mark, which is a, a, a labelling scheme. So you can actually look out for the Fair Tax Mark in companies that you buy from to see if they are responsibly and fairly paying their tax taxes that's fascinating and really helpful to have some really kind of practical things that we can all do because it feels a bit you know when you first started talking about kind of tax and the systems you know I, I just was like thinking feeling a bit overwhelmed well how can I um, have a part to play in that but actually there are some just really practical things that we as individuals uh, can do to to think about how we use our own money I think that's really yeah thank you for that um uh, anything else from that Matthew reading that you might want to tie tie into that? Yeah, so um, I think what um, Jesus says, so he's criticised, isn't he, for um, for spending time with Matthew and with all these other tax collectors and sinners. And the, it says the Pharisees um, ask him about this. And he says, um, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And obviously that's um, quoting one of the other readings, Hosea, which, which we can perhaps come to in a moment. But what he goes on in the second part of this uh, Matthew passage to do is really to embody, I would say, that mercy. You know, he he um, brings the the... Um, the dead girl back to life and he heals the bleeding woman and we really see him in spending time with those people who've been ostracized in healing and bringing back from from the dead uh, a, a woman and a girl so people again on the margins of society people who would have been if you think about the bleeding woman someone who would have been outside of her cast out of her society um, because of that we see him loving showing god's love showing god's mercy in the way that he lives and and spends time with people and, and heals them and, and and really bringing god's god's mercy so so again it's kind of how can we think about what does it mean to to embody god's mercy not to be um you know overly concerned as jesus clearly wasn't with reputation and with how that appeared to to the religious authorities or to the people around him but actually you know what does it mean to to live that out in our in our own lives yeah and that question of not you know not worrying what others are thinking about what you're doing but what does god what does god want you to do in this circumstance um sometimes we hold those things in tension don't we we absolutely do and and you know that's it's not an easy place to be and particularly because we're not talking here about sort of um, being, I don't know, fashionable or in with the in crowd. We're talking about being seen to be um, immoral and breaking religious laws, and being seen to be, you know, someone who's not behaving in the way that a that a religious leader, as Jesus was, should behave. And so, those are things that we we will all struggle with in in different ways, in different contexts. Yeah, I wonder if there's anything uh, in this passage which um, is more challenging for us or difficult for us to. Uh, to grapple with um i think i mean well 
the 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 call of Matthew, as I said earlier on, calling Matthew completely out of a system, mm. I think is something that um, that many of us who are activists struggle with because we we generally, particularly if we're in the UK, for example, we do live within a system and it's it's virtually impossible for us to completely extract ourselves out of it. And I know people who have, you know, tried to move um, off grid to live in um, rural areas, to be self-sufficient and so on. But um, it, it, it certainly isn't what all of us are doing. Um, and I don't think it's what all of us are, are called to do, actually. Um, but that does mean there's a tension there. There's a there's a challenge there. How, and as you, as you said, it can feel quite overwhelming. I mean, I talked about tax, but if we talk about our, our spending choices or our relationship to the banking system, it's enormous. And so I think this this challenge of what does it mean to probably not be called completely out of the system actually but to live in as jesus said you know as we hear elsewhere in scripture then the now and the not yet you know so something of um trying to seek change to seek justice to live in merciful ways and yet recognizing that in every sort of everyday encounters and the way we live our lives inevitably we're still part of that system I think is, is a struggle and a tension for for many of us yeah absolutely I really I really relate to that and, and that when you were talking about money to not to try and live and not in, engage with money in in today's world is you know virtually impossible so um yeah holding those things together uh, wonderful I, and what about any of the other readings um they kind of relate uh, quite well to one another this week, don't they? So I don't know. If... They really do. I think that's really interesting. Um, so as I, as I said, uh, Jesus quotes the Hosea passage, doesn't he? Um, in um, verse twelve of the of, of Matthew passage, he says, "Go," he says to the Pharisees, "Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice." And that's a, a direct quote from from the Hosea passage, um, where we have this this exchange between the people of Israel and God and 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 God is really saying you know well what is he saying what what does it mean to um that God desires mercy and not sacrifice an acknowledgement of God the Hosea passage goes on rather than burnt offerings so it's that thing again isn't it about um not God isn't interested in the sort of religious observances uh, and what might that look like today he's not necessarily interested I guess in how many prayer meetings we attend or how many sort of church um things we do how many sermons we preach um but he's interested in 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 our hearts he's interested mm. in merciful lives um and and so yeah I mean th there's a huge amount more that could be said about the Hosea passage and some very um difficult language actually you know let's be honest it's a very it is a very challenging book the book of Hosea mm. I'm not going to go into it in, in detail here, but I think that theme of mercy and not sacrifice is, is the one that I would that I would draw out. And that's very much also um, in the psalm, actually, isn't it? And Psalm 50 is one that I actually use quite a lot in talking about money because God is saying, you know, I don't need your sacrifices. I created everything. <laughs> everything is mine. Um, 
there's that uh, amazing verse in Psalm 50, um, verse 12. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. Mm -hmm. So, again, you know, there's a sense in which we are invited in to participate, to play a part. Um, and maybe that's something that we can that we can reflect on as we're struggling in this in the system and yet not of the system sort of situation that actually it's not ultimately our responsibility to change the, the to save the world is it it's our responsibility to, to play our part and to join in with what god is calling us to do um, and so in a way that that can be um something that can give us a real sense of peace because um we're not he doesn't need he doesn't need our offerings what he wants from us is is for us to to live um it, it, to follow him and to to play play that part yeah yeah, that reminder, I remember when I was at a theological uh, training college, uh, you know, we were reminded, you're not called to save the world. Jesus has already done that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Um, so I think that's 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 a reassurance, I suppose, that comes through in the in that Hosea passage and, and in the psalm. Um, and then likewise, from, from the Romans passage, the, the part that struck me from the Romans passage is in verse 17, where um, where Paul says, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. And I thought that, well, first of all, really resonates with the gospel passage, doesn't it? Because we have Jesus calling Matthew, someone who is is not in a place of being a follower of, of, of God, a disciple and so on. He's a tax collector. And yet he calls him into as though he were and, and spends time with him. Um, but he also actually does that thing of giving um, life to the dead in in um, healing Jairus's daughter and, and bringing her back from the dead and healing the the bleeding woman we see in action um that bringing bringing life uh to the dead mm. and so again it's, i was reflecting on how can we seek those glimpses of life you know which might be in our relationships with one another on a very personal level within our families and church communities and, and wider communities, um, but also in our economic relationships. You know, how can we seek life-giving ways of paying taxes and um, relating to the financial system and spending our money and saving our money? How can we bring life to the dead? You know, we have a system which does actually um, produce death and suffering and you know to be really sort of blunt about it in the way in which uh, the climate crisis is being fueled nature is being harmed people are unable in this cost of living crisis to to feed their families and globally we're seeing you know yeah. that's on a much more extreme scale um how can we bring life and um see and glimpse life in places through the way that we uh, that we deal with with money mm. yeah I think that's and I, I found it really helpful how you brought in that kind of global element as well there we haven't talked about that much but no. um, depending on the context people are preaching in that might be something that they want to uh to yeah. bring into the conversation Absolutely. Um, so the uh, the way in which, for example, in terms of taxation, you can see the way in which companies operate globally as are that could could bring life and and jobs and prosperity uh, to communities and to places, but can also bring death and can also bring 
suffering and can bring harm to places, polluting lands and um, uh, affecting communities harmfully that are um, working perhaps in exploitative conditions, um, being being badly treated by either multinational companies or sometimes their subsidiaries. Um, and, and taxes is one aspect of that. So there's lots of aspects of that. And actually the Just Money Movement is part of a broader coalition called the Corporate Justice Coalition, which is calling for more accountability for companies that might be headquartered here in the UK, but actually um, through their supply chains are operating in all different parts of the world. So that's one thing, thinking about our relationship to those companies, perhaps as consumers, but also, you know, as citizens. And we're, we do, um, we operate campaigns that include uh, shareholder actions. So we... Um, you know, sometimes might go to AGMs and, and ask questions. And it's, it's really important that we that we play those roles in the broader context of how corporate companies operate globally. And then, of course, how and where they pay their taxes is really crucial. So quite often we're seeing companies that are um, finding ways to avoid paying taxes in the places where, um, where people are working and where think goods are being produced which are quite, you know, quite often in the global south, they're not paying um, the the fair and responsible level of tax. Um, and so, again, through our Check uh, Action for Tax Justice campaign, we've been calling for um, things like a minimum global level of corporation tax, um, closing uh, loopholes like tax havens, where often you see um, companies and wealthy individuals actually trying to uh, find ways to avoid paying the right level of tax. And if you think about taxes as the way in which we raise the revenue to create the opportunities for people to flourish, you know, so in the global south as much as here paying for those public services paying for those social safety nets enabling people to have the public goods of health and education and so forth if those taxes aren't being paid there um then then people are suffering and they're not able to access those uh, those goods they're not able to flourish in the way that they could do otherwise so it's beholden upon us individuals um but also on those companies and so for us to hold them to account for the way in which they operate globally and we, we've seen those stories in the news, haven't we, about, you know, people not paying, uh, you know, taxes or, you know, trying finding ways of avoiding that. But also, I find it interesting that, you know, when individuals or companies are paying tax, that's kind of highlighted as this is good news. People are going above and beyond. You think, well, no, that's just what, <laughs> just what they should be doing. Not that we shouldn't um, highlight good examples, but I think that's quite interesting that that's that flagged in that way. Um, and no, you can absolutely. See, yeah. Oh, no, it's it's really interesting, as you say. It's it's really our duty, isn't it, as citizens? And yeah. actually, it, that's what we're told in the Bible. You know, pay pay your taxes. Yeah. Um, but uh, but often that isn't the case, or there are ways of complicatedly avoiding paying as much tax as people should. Or, as I say, the whole system is set up such that taxes on on wealth, wealthy individuals, companies that have made huge huge profits recently. We've seen this with the energy companies, haven't we? Um, who, who are not paying taxes or companies that are um, just making enormous profits from the way in which they operate. And again, because of where they're domiciled and so forth, are avoiding paying um, much tax in those places. Well, lots in there to, to get our teeth into. And in this Tax Justice Week, um, 
Uh, isn't it nice when all things line up to enable us to uh, to really highlight that in our pulpits as well? Uh, as we kind of just draw to a close, are there any kind of other things that you were hoping to get a chance to to say or just highlight for people? I think just that sense, those two themes, I suppose, that are drawn out so clearly in in these across these readings of um, God desiring mercy uh, and not sacrifice. So uh, heart attitudes and, and actions rather than religious observance and outward appearance. And then that thing about glimpsing life and bringing life out of out of people and places and situations where there is death. So I suppose I was just. Um, I would just want to draw that out really um, through the call of Matthew, but through, you know, thinking about our um, uh, our congregations, thinking about our, our own lives, you know, how can we um, reflect and, and live out more of that, that mercy and life giving um, approach that Jesus so clearly embodies in those scriptures? Well, that seems like a, a pretty good place to, to wind things up. So thank you so much. Uh, Sarah Edwards from the Just Money Movement for uh, coming on and sharing your wisdom and your reflections um, with us today. We really appreciate your time. Uh, and thank you for uh, everybody else uh, for joining us, uh, whether to ask the questions about whether or how we should preach politics in our pulpits this week. Uh, if you enjoyed listening to this episode of Politics in the Pulpit, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast and share this episode with your friends. We have some online spaces for further engagement and discussion about uh, faith and politics. You can find us on Twitter at pulpit underscore politics or using the hashtag politics in the pulpit. We also have a Facebook group and you can find that through the Facebook page of the Joint Public Issues team. And of course, there's the website, which is jpit.uk. That's J-P-I-T dot U-K. And the question we're leaving you with from this week's uh, readings uh, is uh, how can we seek life-giving ways of responding to God's call on our lives and how can we challenge unjust systems? And so let's go into our politics and our pulpits this week with a blessing. May you be anointed with God's spirit as you bring good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives and help people to see the world truthfully and let the oppressed go free. Amen. <laughs>